Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. Once again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds, and I'm here in beautiful Mesa, Arizona, in the Boys in Blue podcast studio. And we know we have so much fun on this podcast, and uh, I try to, once again, get interesting guests on the show, and I'm driving down the road. about Well, actually, I live in Mesa here, and oh, about, oh, 90 miles north of here. It's this beautiful lake called Lake Roosevelt, and uh, my wife and I go up there, and we enjoy the lake. But up between uh, the highway and the lake, there's this little bar. I guess you call it a bar, tavern, and it's kind of like an old cowboy bar, and they've got some Harley guys that go in there, and not hardcore bikers, just, you know, Harley groups and that. Just kind of a fun little place to stop. And I'm driving by there the other day. I was just passing through there. And I look on the marquee out there in front of their little bar. And it says, thank you, Sheriff Adam Shepard. We appreciate you. And I thought, boy, that's pretty good. Those old cowboys and bikers, they like their sheriff. He must be an interesting individual. So this is Gila County is up there. And so I made a call up to Gila County Sheriff's Office. And through a few phone calls, touched base with Sheriff Adam Shepard, the sheriff of Gila County, and he agreed to come on the podcast. So we're so glad to have as our guest today, Sheriff Adam Shepard of Gila County, Arizona. Adam, are you there today? I am, Bill. Good morning and uh, hello to all of the listeners out there. You know, we sure appreciate you taking the time. Now, I'll explain to our audience. We chatted a few minutes before that. Now, you're a working man, so you're in your office there, and there's plenty of activity around there, and uh, so we get a little noise. We won't worry about it. We'll just know the sheriff is busy at work. <laughs> yep, that's that, that size of it. <laughs> now, first of all, uh, this is you're coming up on election. Is that correct, this November? Oh, oh yes. All, all sheriffs in Arizona are elected at the same time, and it's the same uh, cycle as the president. Okay. So you have been sheriff now for two, this is your second term you're in now, and you're going for your third. Is that the way I understand that? That's correct. So you've been a sheriff already eight years. So that's, uh, okay. Now tell me, how did you, I understand that you're a native of Arizona, and did you grow up in uh, Gila County in the Payson, Arizona area? Well, I finished school there. Uh, my family lived in, in the Phoenix area, North Phoenix at the time, uh, out in the Glendale and Peoria area, if you're familiar with Metro down there. Sure. And uh, uh, we, ran, uh, we ran a bunch of uh, uh, gasoline, uh, retail gasoline stations. And uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, old timers down in the valley will remember the, the Shepherd Brothers name because we had 
stations down there and then all over the uh, the state. Um, and uh, at we also had a unit here in Payson uh, that uh, was bought by the family when I was when I was small. I was only like four or five years old. And uh, the family, of course, just fell in love with the area here. And we had a home uh, uh, that they bought shortly after buying the business up in the area that they would visit uh, on the weekends and things. And certainly, and even years before that, my grandfather had uh, come up uh, to the Payson area and built uh, cabins. And uh, so, of course, uh, mo- a lot of my early youth, when we didn't live here, was spent up here. And then uh, when I was in high school, we moved up permanently, and I, I finished school here and uh, uh, and was running one of the uh, units that we had here in Payson. I see. Yeah. And for my listeners that aren't from Arizona, the reason that Sheriff Adam Shepard's family would go up to Payson from the Glendale Peoria area is because in the summertime, it's about 25 or 30 degrees cooler up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's a big, big difference, big change, even though uh, it gets a little hot, hot up here as well. It's not as long or as, or as hot as it gets in the valley. So this is, and we're kind of in between uh, for folks that are familiar with Flagstaff, which is the much higher elevation. We're kind of in between the Phoenix and, and Flagstaff area, not only in vel- uh, elevation, but also in climate. And we tend to get a little bit more uh, rain and things like that. So it's, you know, it's a little more gentler, uh, but then we get snow and things in the wintertime too. So uh, it's kind of a middle of the road for uh, Arizona extremes. A lot of folks think of Arizona as uh, cactus and 100 degree temperatures, and it's not all like that. That's for sure. But uh, on the other hand, now, uh, because Arizona is getting so crowded, you know, I always, when people ask me what it's like, I'm, I'm from Washington State. <laughs> I always tell them, I said, you know, there's nothing but snakes down here. It's 120 degrees. There's Indians <laughs> still running around. You don't want to move down here. <laughs> Just because yeah. it's so darn crowded. But anyway, you have a beautiful county up there. And uh, tell me about the county now, uh, Adam. I know it runs, uh, takes in Roosevelt Lake and Globe and, Tell me the uh, perimeters of your county there and how big it is. Yeah, we have, uh, we're relatively small as far as population is concerned. There's only about 55,000 uh, permanent residents. Uh, but of course, we border Phoenix, which is uh, millions. And so we kind of, uh, a lot of the times, become the recreation area for, uh, for not only Phoenix, but even Tucson because of the lake that we have. The lake is almost entirely in uh, Gila County. There's a little bitty portion of it down by the dam that's in Maricopa, which Maricopa County, of course, is the one where Phoenix resides. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we go all the way down to a little town called Hayden on the south end, uh, which is uh, one of the old mining district towns that's still active. And uh, we go all the way up on the northern end to uh, to the rim, which is just south of Flagstaff and Coconino County, which is the county that Flagstaff is in. And it's about a hundred mile trip, 150 mile trip uh, from mm-hmm. those two areas north to south. So it's uh, we're at about 4,700 square miles. So we're large. And sure. there's uh, three Indian reservations in the county. So it's it's divvied up a lot with between that. 
and uh, um, and Forest Service because a lot of uh, the Tonto National Forest is in Gila County, and it, we have about three percent uh, private ownership of ground here. The rest of it is owned by the government in some way. Three percent. Yep, about three percent. Wow! Wow! I never realized yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that explains the that, fifty-five thousand residents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no place to put them, and oh. uh, uh, and uh, so all of our all of our county budgets, all of our county services are are pretty much uh, ran on, um, you know, because most of the county's revenue comes from uh, property taxes, of course, and you can only tax, uh, you know, private holdings of land, so. That's what we get to work with, and it's it's kind of skimpy for such a big county. Yeah, it can be challenging. I can see that. Well, tell me now, uh, Adam, what attracted you to law enforcement? Well, uh, I think uh, uh, a lot of probably cops have this same story. When I was a kid playing in the neighborhood, uh, I, I ran upon a, an officer that was out running traffic alongside the highway, and uh, just got to talking with him, and, and the guy was nice enough to take the time. I don't even know who it was. I wished I did, uh, but it was so long ago. And uh, uh, he took the time to sh- to talk to what, about what he did to me with me, and uh, got showed me around his police car. I got to sit in the driver's seat, you know, and all that kind of neat stuff. I think I was probably uh, ten or younger, and uh, uh, wow, I, j- I was just mesmerized by what these guys did. And of course, being in the family business, we ran upon the police all the time uh, because you, in those days you had drive offs and things. Things We didn't have the, the electronic security that there are on things today. Uh, didn't have cameras and stuff like that. So we, we were always having to interact with them. And they always impressed me about uh, the way that they did things. And uh, then when I, uh, after I, we, I was up here in Payson, I got to be friends with some of the local police. And uh, it just kind of was a natural, um, you know, evolution from all of those other experiences right into wanting to be at least part of them. And that's why I started volunteering for the local police department. Now, when you say local, that is Payson, correct? Right. Payson PD. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many guys did they have on their department then? Oh, I think they, they barely had a shift. So I, don't, I would imagine it's less than 10. I don't remember the number exactly. <laughs> yes, small, small departments. Yeah, boy, with a lot of ground to cover. So now, yeah, you start volunteering with Payson. Were you actually? Yeah, did you actually, yeah. Take me from there. Okay. Well, um, you know, I was young and I was uh, still, you know, just a kid and inexperienced and not even old enough. You know, nowadays uh, in Arizona, you have to be twenty-one. Uh, by the time the academy's over, uh, or 21 before it starts, to uh, to even be eligible. Back then, you didn't, but they still, the agencies still were kind of cautious about somebody that was young, because I was 18 at the time. And uh, so the chief, even though the chief, uh, him and I got to be really good friends, and 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 later on in life, he said, you know, I would just like you, and I think he was trying to see what my dedication level would be. So I said, how would you like to start as a dispatcher? So uh, I said, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. And, and of course, uh, those that in the business that started out as dispatchers, you really get a, uh, a trial by fire, if you will, a baptism 
of what the other end of the police work is like, not the part out on the street, but the part with people calling you in panic or uh, needing something, and you have to sort the problem out and try to get cops there. Of course, in those days, it was all before electronics, and so uh, you had carried these big, humongous map books in your patrol car, and uh, so trying to get directions into somebody and uh, because uh, they didn't always think the same way the police did about how to get somebody to them, and uh, it was kind of an interesting time. Yeah, boy, you know, that's interesting. Uh, it kind of parallels the way I started. I started as a cadet. And you're right that you get behind that uh, dispatch there. I mean, you get, uh, you really learn what, what goes on and you appreciate the dispatcher when you finally get out in the car. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's the only aspect of law enforcement that, that you get that experience and you do. You know, you never, I never treated a dispatcher bad in my life and, and some guys, you know, kind of, kind of get uh, the thought that, uh, you know, they can give the, the dispatcher the brunt of their, uh, of their, of their problems. But that dispatcher's got a job that uh, I got a lot of respect for. Well, I can second that again, because uh, my wife retired from the Mesa police department and she began in as a dispatcher and she spent 27 years with Mesa. So I did a lot of counseling <laughs> in my house when she would come home. I mean, they take, actually, the dispatchers, they get uh, not maybe as much credit as they should, but she would take things personal if a policeman would, like, uh, get in trouble or get hurt or get in a fight. It's almost like she wanted to jump in her car and go out there and help him, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, you're right. They do. Yeah. They, uh, they're they they're some of the, the most protective, uh, and, of course, they're not all female, but uh, so, yeah. so don't take offense by this term, but Mother Hen because uh, they feel really responsible for the police, the policemen that are out there on the street that they're talking to. So, yeah, part of the family. So how did you end up with Gila County? Well, so uh, after that, you know, it took me a little bit of time and I proved, of course, I couldn't get enough of it. And I was I was spending all my time over there and and uh, working during the day and volunteering at night. And finally, the chief uh, decided it was time to uh, put me out on the road. So. I got a, a uh, you know, a, uh, a cadet slot and started doing that and started uh, taking courses and stuff. There was uh, a couple of officers that it was uh, in Arizona at that time. We had what was called a limited authority uh, courses that you could take. And uh, uh, I started taking that. And, of course, you know, I couldn't get enough of that either. And finally, uh, in the, the, the college system here in the county, uh, it's not up here actually in Payson, it's in the other end of it, but uh, started a uh, a full uh, certification academy. And of course, I, I couldn't wait to get in line for that and get accepted to that. So while I was still volunteering for the police department on many other fronts, I was, I was going to school and get that full certification. Because Arizona has two paths. One is a full-time academy uh, by a sponsored uh, uh, police uh, uh, force somewhere, you know, a regular agency, or you can go and uh, to a uh, college that offers it, and uh, it's a it's about a year long process to get uh, full certification, and that was the way I ended up doing it. So I went through all that and started applying then to not only the city but the county uh, because the county had a mass exodus at that point. And uh, I, I got the, uh, since we'd had a lot of people in the course, 
uh, there was a lot of competition for all of those spots, and I ended up with one at the county. And I thought, well, I'll give it a try. I, I really didn't know that much about the county other than working with the guys, but uh, uh, and then see what would happen after that, and found out that there are so many opportunities with the county. I I, I couldn't have uh, picked a better path. Yeah, a lot a lot more area to cover, and a lot of yeah promotions, the whole thing. Sure. Now. So you spent how long you with as a deputy before you became sheriff? Twenty-seven and a half years. Wow, twenty-seven and a half. Now, before I get into your uh, years as uh, a deputy, what was there? Did you just like have to resign and then run for sheriff, or what? What was the transition period between uh, the sheriff's department as uh, a deputy on into? the sheriff's position. Yeah. Uh, in Arizona, Arizona allows the counties to, to come up with those decisions if they want to restrict it. Uh, but, uh, and the county did at that portion of period of time have a, uh, this was during the 2012 election, uh, did have a, a policy in place that uh, unless you were actually the incumbent or the chief deputy, uh, you you would have to resign your position. And, and it, I can kind of see it in a way, uh, of course, a lot of people see it differently, but uh, I could see that they don't want to be paying somebody to run for an office. So it's, but then on the other hand, you could say, well, it kind of protects the incumbent, but uh, I'm not even sure if that policy is still in place anymore. But uh, anyway, I did. So I already had 27 and a half in, and in our system, uh, anything over 20 gives you at least some kind of a pension. Uh-huh. And so, or at least at that time, it's changed a little bit since then because of the uh, funding uh, crisis. But uh, so I, uh, I I did, I went ahead and retired out of the system and then uh, started my campaign. And and it was a rough one. There were uh, uh, there were two Democrats, two Republicans, repunded, uh, all at the same time, and they were all pretty well known and pretty popular. So I always call that one the bloodbath because that's basically what it was. Wow. Well, um, do you mind me asking what party you ran with? Yeah. No, that's fine. I'm a Republican. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So you had to do a primary and then a general election, or does yep. everybody was? Yep. Okay. Arizona still, even with local elections, still run a two-party system. So okay, my wow. So tell me, it must have been a landslide. Is that correct? No, <laughs> no <laughs> it wasn't. But uh, but I won uh, uh, both the primary and the general fairly uh, with about the same margin, about a about a two-thirds to one-third margin. So so was, now the, uh, the 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 proofs in the pudding. How did the twenty sixteen election go? Uh, 2016 was a little easier. One of the uh, um, the folks that uh, had ran against me in the 2012 uh, tried again, and it was about the same uh, about the same results. And uh, okay. that individual is trying again, so we're gonna. I guess we'll go head to head again. <laughs> oh, so the again? Okay, yeah. Wow. So now this is coming up. So. Yeah, that's, you know, I don't even know. And, and apparently there's no way to know until you're in the thick of it what it is to uh, run a political campaign like that. I mean, that's got to be. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I didn't either. 
I didn't either until I, you know, started down this fiasco. Some of the uh, the, the community leaders had come to me and uh, specifically said that, uh, you know, they would they would support me and not only help me out, but uh, uh, was really encouraging me to uh, to give it a shot. And uh, I got a lot of help from them who were in po- politics because I really hadn't given it that much thought up to that period of time. I just worked my career. And uh, it kind of went on. I, I never had it in my mind that I was going to end up as the sheriff someday. Sure. But uh, and he ended up that way, and uh, uh, and they helped me a whole heck of a lot. Kind of taught me some of the ropes and the do's and don'ts, and and we're still kind of going to this day. So, so did you have to run against an incumbent, or was this all? You, you, no, the incumbent retired. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, and well, I had worked. I had worked for him for three uh, for three of his terms. Yeah, that's twelve years right there. Huh. Well, okay. So now, here you are, and as I look at your bio here, you were you had several positions. You worked uh, started as a deputy and worked your way up through the command staff. So how did that go? Was you went from what uh, patrol to narcs maybe or how that what was the transition there yeah it was uh, uh so so basically i uh, it was patrol to detectives and then the narc position came up and you know that's kind of if you ever you know those of you out there that work narcs before know that that's kind of a uh detective on steroids when you have <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Kind of a, it's a little bit yeah it's a little bit different and uh, uh, then um, after a couple of years, I had, uh, you know, some guys just live the life. and They don't have a problem with it. And and uh, uh, but after a couple of years in narcs, uh, you know, that's uh, it's kind of a different lifestyle. And uh, it's not something I mean, it, I, I love doing. I got learned a lot about uh, narcotics investigations and, and that type of thing. But uh I was ready to go back to uh, regular police work after a few years of narcs. And uh, when I came back, I had I left the, the, the detective position that I had before, and I, I couldn't go back to it. So I was just back out on the street for a while, and then I was kind of tapped for a supervisor. So that was the, the early transition of that. So you went to sergeant from there? Yeah. Okay, and then... So you're a sergeant in the field. How long were you a sergeant, Adam? Oh, uh, the, I had I worked for a lieutenant that was uh, that ended up getting sick. So I think I'm trying to remember back. I think I was probably actually on the street because part of it was that acting position, and then I got the position full time about three or four years. Oh, I see. And then uh, the the lieutenant actually got so sick that he couldn't work anymore. So I put in for that position and and got it, you know, which was kind of outside the norm. It usually you have to be out in supervision for a little bit longer before you can get because that though that's a command level rank in our our agency because we're so small. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only uh, like currently there's only two: one for the north end, one for the south end, and it's uh, uh. it's actually a commander post. And um, so I got in on that and uh, worked it. Uh, for a few years, so I, and in that period of time, I finished up my all my schooling and everything because I had started school and, um, you know, trying to go to night school and all that other stuff and try to get could get caught up on things I probably should have done when I was younger, 
And uh, uh, so I finished off that, got my degree and, uh, and all of that stuff uh, at that period of time while I was a supervisor and a, and a lieutenant. And uh, then the, um, uh, the undersheriff position came up, which in, in our structure at that time, as, as it still is, is third in command. Uh, so it goes the sheriff, the uh, chief deputy, and the undersheriff. And uh, so then I became responsible for basically all the patrol operations in the whole county. So, well, that's quite a that's quite a responsibility. So now, yeah, how, yeah, no. So um, I'm looking at this uh, detective, narc sergeant, lieutenant, under sheriff. So you had quite a variety of uh, experiences. Now, is there any specific maybe calls that you're on that stands out in your that your mind, Adam, that you'd like to share about maybe being out in the street or a special assignment? Well, uh, early on in my career, I got involved in uh, in search and rescue. And of course, I in uh, a lot of counties I know across the country uh, are responsible for that particular thing is same thing here in Arizona. And I just I, I just ate that up. I mean, the uh, the, the technical aspect versus the uh, uh, and dealing with, uh, because in Arizona, it's all run by uh, pretty much by volunteer. There's only a few full-time police officers that are actually assigned to these units. And there's the, they're the ones that make all of the high-level decisions or, or uh, communicate with the other agencies. But most of the ground pounding and things like that are done by the volunteers. But there's so many aspects of that with uh, technical rope rescue and uh, um, and, uh, you, you know, the science of, of, of uh, doing a search where you, uh, where you don't know where somebody's at, you might have a last known point where they started from, but you really don't know from there where they're at, uh, to scuba diving, to uh, uh, canines, to uh, equines. I mean, the whole gamut of that uh, um, discipline is huge. And uh, one of the things that I that I that I really enjoyed doing was scuba diving. As you you know, Roosevelt Lake, we have yes. a lot of opportunities to. There's drownings down there. There might be evidence searches that have to go on under the water. We might have to go in and recover vehicles that have gone off the cliff, or somebody forgot to set the brake and it rolled into the lake. Uh, so there's a lot of that type of work that's done around here. And um, so we also, the county is such a way, it's got such a uh, um, uh, topography that we go all the way from 7,000 feet all the way down to about 1,000 foot and everything in between. There's a lot of canyons and things. There are also a lot of popular caves. So we have a lot of cavers that this is a destination for. Well, a couple of a couple of fellows had been a few I think it was a few months before this incident that I'm about to describe had gone into a, one of our local cave systems uh, because it's several it's several miles long you can actually go in one end of it and go come out on the other end several miles away Jeez. and uh, so it's kind of popular with these guys that do that sort of thing and uh um so they had uh they wanted to go back and redo the cable the problem with it is, is our wet season had hit between those two visits and they they realized i mean they started into the cave system and it was wet but they didn't realize how wet it was there ended up only being a few pockets of air 
in this cave system as you go along this thing. So they didn't get very far into it. One of them had drowned, uh, unfortunately, and the other one made it out and let us know the story. Of course, he had no idea where his friend was at or, or how to get back to him. So that was one thing we did on scuba was go back into that cave system and, uh, and found his friend and brought him out. And it, it combined everything that I had mentioned, the, not only the scuba going in and finding the individual, but also the cave rescue that had to be done because the, there were several levels inside the cave that have to be transversed by ropes and technical rescue. So oh it was an all, all day event, all day affair from finding the guy to getting him back out to dry part of the cave and then getting the technical aspects of, of, uh, of retrieving the remains. So oh, man. it was, there was a lot to it. It was very memorable. I got a commendation from the from the chief, and and it was just uh, it was one of those things that yeah I'll, I'll certainly never forget. You know, I most most officers have a lot of memory that they never forget, and that's certainly sure. one of them. Well, you it sounds like you had to uh, call on all, yeah a lot of uh, technical skills all in one call there. Where are these caves up there? Is it by Roosevelt Lake or? Up on the salt yeah, it, it's actually, uh, do you know where Young is at, which is just a little bit on the east side of the lake? Sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, 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 little, the little community of Young, they're, yes. uh, they're around that area. Okay. So they're kind, okay. Of, kind of north and east of the lake. Okay, so yeah, we've had several lately. One was up there just here six months ago. Very experienced guy. Um, you probably remember that. Um, I'm sure it was up there um, in one of those canyons, and the flash flood came through. One survived, right. one didn't. Yeah, yeah, we, have, the, we uh, have a horrible flash flooding area uh, in the county because of the topography and the drainages. Yeah, because they're, they're dry most of the time, or just a trickle of water, and the next thing you know, they're a raging torrent. Sure. Wow. Wow. So anyway. I'm looking at your bio here. Now, I'm wondering when you had time to be a deputy. Because <laughs> I look on well, here. And I don't says, remember a lot of sleeping back then. But <laughs> <laughs> says you're a paramedic. Yes. Firearms instructor. Baton instructor. Mm-hmm. Looks like you're an IT instructor or the computer gig for the... Well, let, let's let's talk about that for a second. So okay. that uh, any one of us that have been around since before people actually had computers and grew up with them, uh, when we still actually wrote on pieces of paper and used pens and pencils and things like that. Um, uh, fortunately, my little brother was a brainiac. I mean, he was he was a go getter. He actually still works for a, a, a national computer company. Um, and he, that stuff just came naturally to him. Well, I absorbed enough. Don't think for a minute that I absorbed the kind of level he was at. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. I knew where the I knew where the on button was at, and uh, I was able to um, deal with a couple of the challenging issues because you know if you remember back then, uh, everything pretty much had to be done. Uh, you had to program it yourself. It wasn't a lot of things you could just go buy and they worked great and you don't have any problems with them. So, mm, yeah, so yeah. we did, he actually did that in the family business and I, I kind of uh, looked over his shoulder a little bit thinking, oh, okay. 
So I was able to take that. And when computers started becoming uh, popular in in law enforcement, uh, I, you know, I, it was kind of a natural fit for me. I had first computer in the office and was already doing a lot of stuff, computerized and things before it became uh, vogue. Well, of course, uh, you know, there was still a lot of people that hadn't come up in that era at all. Uh, at that time, a lot of the older deputies and even some of the admin staff and stuff. So uh, I would give little courses to them about, uh, uh, you know, things we take for granted now just to kind of get them into the the uh, the swing of, of the computer age. And then so naturally, as the, the agency started developing, uh, you know, purchasing software and, and buying uh, records management systems and things like that, that was uh, that was a no-brainer for me because you know I kind of did networking out of a hobby on the side and things like that. So, okay. uh, so I I kind of fell into that. I mean, the county takes advantage of people that have those kind of skills. <laughs> and, so, uh, so you were the go-to so, guy for that. Yeah, you were the office <laughs> go-to guy. Yeah, but no, I'm looking well, at not, that. Well, not for everything, but certainly for that. Yeah, and. Uh, and then and it just kind of uh, just kind of morphed into the the previous guy who was actually in the military, uh, and that's where he cut his teeth on those sort of things. And I learned a lot from him as well. And then I just kind of became one of the the, the systems administrators after after he left, and and uh, because you know it, it never stops, as you know, as you remember, oh, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. With you, you kind of lived through that era too. Once it started rolling, it just snowballed, right? The next thing oh, you know, my we gosh. Had yeah. computers yeah. everywhere and computers in the car, and you couldn't do anything without a computer. So. Yeah. Well, now it, seems, now it goes on there from there, though. Now it shows on here that you're a commercial pilot. Yeah. Uh, certified diver, a member of the dive team. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at all this stuff now. Did you actually you you got does Gila County have an air unit, or was that just something that you did on the side? How'd that work? Oh, okay. So so uh, dial the way back machine again. I growing up in in Glendale was right across the street from the Glendale Municipal Airport. So I was fascinated by airplanes, and uh, of course, you know they would run those little where you could go over and catch a ride every once in a while. And uh, I, you know, I begged my parents to go pay for me to go take a ride. And that was, I was hooked. So as minute, the minute I got old enough to, uh, uh, to start lessons, I did here in Payson. There was uh, some great instructors and folks at the time who did a lot of training out of this uh, location. And uh, uh, again, I just kind of latched onto it. And I was still single then. And that was while I was before any of this other stuff happened. So I was able to advance the, uh, the licenses and stuff. I actually ended up being a multi and single engine uh, rated as well, as well as a commercial and instrument. So wow. I did a lot of training and uh, just, just because, you know, I just ate it up and, and loved it. It got, it got too, too time consuming and too expensive after a while, of course, after the family came and all that stuff. Sure. That is, I did it, buy a few missions for the county. We, we did some, uh, some looking for some drug stuff and, and, mm. you know, but, but it was all rental. We, the county's never owned anything. They just leased them. Yeah. Well, um, the, uh, 
I can remember in the old days, we'd go up in a little Cessna that we didn't own, we rented as deputies looking for marijuana fields. That's and exactly we, what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you'd have to go like between 10 in the morning and 2 in the afternoon because the sun had to hit it just right to see the contrast in the color of the leaves with the regular forest around it. But uh, it was all interesting because we'd take our bulletproof vests and we'd wrap them around the pilot who was not a deputy. <laughs> just we <laughs> <laughs> thought, okay, we want him sitting on one. We want him wearing one. We want, you know, because those guys down below would shoot at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and uh, okay, if one of us gets hit, well, you know, okay. But if he gets hit, we're all going down. So <laughs> 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 we wrapped our vest around him. Yeah, those good old days. But anyway, so you've had quite a career here, uh, Sheriff Shepard. Now, uh, very quickly, as we kind of kind of conclude, what is the most enjoyable part of being a sheriff of Gila County? Well, I think when you you know when you really make a difference in somebody li- somebody's life, and I know, man, that's a stock answer when you're when you're moving up, especially you know what, why did you get do this? Well, I wanted to help people, but you you really do, and and I think that as you get to the point where you can be have a more of a positive effect on people's lives um you know and somebody comes out of the back end of it and says you know thanks a lot you really helped me along or something like that you can't you can't put a price on that and you can't Mm -hmm. put a you know what i'm saying Uh, absolutely when you finally get in a position where you have more influence to make things happen for people i mean that's got to be very rewarding Yes, absolutely it is. And uh, it's just, um, you know, you're, I always remind my guys, I said, you know, a lot of the times you're dealing with these people on their worst day. And, uh, you know, if you have, if you have a little compassion, of course, I'm not, you know, obviously we have the ones where we're taken to jail or something like that, which sure, probably sure. don't appreciate it too much at the time. But I've even had people come up after that and say, you know, that that incident where, you know, they got in trouble and, and went through it and did change their life, too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think every if you look at the 10,000 foot level of our job, uh, you know, you're you're doing the best you can with what you got. But you're you're affecting things for the positive, whether or not it looks like that at the time. Sure. And sure. and I think well, that. Uh, and I think I hope that that's still the motivation for people going into it. Sure. Now, what is the most challenging part about being a sheriff? Well, you know, you're dealing with uh, personnel issues, of course, and uh, and budgets and things like that. You never have enough for what you want, and and uh, uh, so. But uh, I mean, that's a challenge too, and you just kind of roll with the flow and use your experiences and your expertise to deal with it. But, uh, yeah. but I mean, we'd all—I'm sure every police administration administrator in this country would love to wave a wand and get every little, yeah. every little goodie that they wanted and make all their guys happy and all that other stuff. But that's never reality. No, no, sure. By the way, how many deputies are in Gila County? Well, we have fifty. We have 50 sworn. It's cut. It's sliced up into uh, uh, 32 regular street officers, another eight uh, uh, supervisors, and then there's detectives, and then of mm. course uh, some of the administration is is certified. So I see the I ones see. that the ones that supervise the cops. Yeah. And uh, 
And well, that's it. Uh, we all total 50. Wow. So now let me ask you this. As you enter your third term, and we'll kind of close with this, but um, what is your vision for Gila County now as you start your third term? See, I'm, well, I'm the, thinking. The thing, we've, we've tried, the thing we've tried to do is kind of make the office a little bit more easier for the folks that don't use the criminal justice system all the time. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're stopped out on the street or if you have a burglar at your home or something like that, uh, then you're uh, getting a lot of use out of the, uh, the criminal justice system. But uh, most of the residents never get a thing out of it. But what we've tried to concentrate on is giving them something as well, some kind of a product that's useful to them. Uh, so, um, so one of the things we've done, you know, we started a, a Facebook page and got that rolling really good. So there's a lot of information that we dump on there for folks, uh, you know, uh, as far as our, our daily press releases, but also things about, uh, like when fire season comes on, that's what we're going through right now. Fire season's big. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to diminish the coronavirus because we've had nothing but, uh, you know, issues with that, but it, it that's kind of dying back now a little bit. And uh, what what always plagues us this time of year is fires. So we try to educate people about about fires and 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 uh, the fact that uh, you know you can do a lot of destruction with fires and uh, uh, and things like that. So anyway, we've tried to get it automated. Most people have a smartphone now, so there's there's a lot of things you can do with our agency right now for smartphone. You can you can get to monitor the Facebook page and everything everything that we ever do is dumped on that. Uh, we have our own branded app, so you go to your app store. It doesn't matter what kind of phone you got, and you search for Gila County Sheriff's Office. All of our bookings are on well, there. All... Go ahead. Well, you know, that all goes back to the protected and serve. That's the motto of law enforcement anyway. But I yep. see more and more as I talk to the sheriffs and upper command staff that getting the community involved and, and letting them say that, hey, we can't do anything as law enforcement without your without you being Absolutely. on board with us. I mean, yeah, that's the main to, thing. You have to have a way for them to interact with. You. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, listen, Adam Shepard, thank you so much for the time you took from your busy day to be on the Boys in Blue podcast. And you know, I get up that way, I'm gonna make sure that I look you up and buy you a cup of coffee or something up there in Payson, up that way once in a while. But thank you so much for being on the podcast and best of luck to you and Godspeed on this coming election and the fire season and the virus and all you deal with. You're doing a you're doing a good job up there for sure. So thank you for being on the podcast. Everybody have a good day and and uh, and stay safe and healthy. All right. Thank you so much. And that concludes our podcast for today. The Boys in Blue, you can find us on I put it out on Facebook so you can look up Bill McReynolds and on Facebook and you can friend me on there. So it's always a pleasure to speak with these guys and a real honor to be the host of the Boys in Blue podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to The Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.